The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Basics Podcast. This is Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, September 21st. Listen to the podcast in audio form. If you're watching with us on YouTube, it is Tuesday, September 20th. And we're going to do some NFL news and notes and some trends, some betting trends. Joining us to do, joining me to do so, Tyler Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully, and John Breach. What's up, boys? What's going on? Hi, Brenton. I like your hair. Thanks. It looks good, right? Did a commenter shame you into getting a haircut because they said you looked like a grandma? Is that what happened? <laughs> a nana, first of all, thank you. <laughs> and second of all, no, there's no shame. It's just the natural uh, timing of of my of my schedule. <laughs> although, <laughs> although in hindsight, probably not a great idea to get a haircut at like 11.45 a.m. Uh, with a 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern time scheduled podcast. I, I'll, I'll work on that. I, did, I scheduled my next minute for 3.30 in the afternoon. So you're saying you were cutting it close? Huh? Oh! I don't have a boo. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was looking for a boo, but I don't have one. Uh, <laughs> what is happening here? That's good. I like that. It's very nice. Um, I was going to mention uh, Mike Evans suspended one game. I don't think we talked. I don't know if we talked about it in the recap podcast, uh, but he is he is suspended one game. Especially at his appeal hearing, James Thrash will be his. Uh, hearing officer thrash also heard mike evans appeal back in 2019 maybe so good 17. Luck that. yeah 17 2017 he has a zero percent chance of winning this appeal and like, i think sorry. it's happening on tuesday night so when you listen to the podcast i think we might have an answer when you listen to the podcast you'll know that he's still suspended because he didn't right. win his appeal. he's not gonna win his appeal i mean like it's it is amazing to me that like he and marshawn Lattimore hate each other so much I mean, I've never seen like two. I don't. I don't ever recall two NFL players who fight as much as they do. No, it's, it's crazy. It's quite the back and forth they have. Yes, it is. Um, they do not like each other. Uh, I don't. Maybe we'll do that one. Let's get to. Uh, we'll start. Yeah, Breach and I do the early odds, of course, and we've seen a ton of movement 
the 49ers Broncos game, the opening line was three. And maybe that was even before, like, like before the regular season where it was minus three. Denver is now a pick hosting the 49ers. Um, pretty wild to see. Like, not many teams in the NFL where you could have a starting quarterback go down for the season and they actually, the line doesn't move away from the team with the starting quarterback. Um, that's the case with the 49ers and the Broncos because Jimmy Garoppolo is in this game and because breach Russell Wilson has looked like dog crap his first two weeks. Yeah. You never see a quarterback go down and then people feel better about your prospects going forward, which is somehow the situation here. You know, this is a fascinating game because obviously the Broncos have looked like absolute garbage on offense for the first two weeks. Uh, but their defense has played so their offense has been so bad. It's overshadowed how well the defense has played. I mean, you only score 16 points. You still win, uh, Week one, the Broncos defense only gave up 17 points, and, and they would have won if they didn't fumble twice at the goal line. So I don't think the Broncos are as bad as they look. Oh, my. No, it's actually San Francisco minus one and a half. One and a half. Wow. Broncos an under, home underdog in primetime. That's all, sign me up right now. I mean, that's that is it, it's, it's just that here's the thing for me is that look, there was never going to, there's not a quick fix when you're a new quarterback with a new team. We saw it with Brady and the Buccaneers, we saw it with Stafford and the Rams. There is an adjustment period. Those quarterbacks just adjusted quickly. And so, but there's always a few struggles uh, early in the season. It feels and, like you're justifying your Super Bowl pick right now. Well, I am kind of trying to justify my <laughs> Super Bowl pick. But I am also saying that I think the Broncos offense can only get better from here because I don't think it can possibly get worse. And I think that Nathaniel Hackett is going to learn what Pete Carroll already knew, that, hey, look, we can't let Russell Wilson throw the ball 40 times per game because that strategy is just not going to work. We have Javante Williams, who averaged five yards per carry against the Texans, but only got the ball 15 times. Like, run the ball. That's what your offensive line's built for. I mean, just don't listen to Russell Wilson. Do what you're good at. And the other part of this is that Russell Wilson, if there is one team that he can bounce back against, it is absolutely the 49ers. He's played them 21 times in his career. He's 17-4. and four. It's He knows their personnel. Uh, he's just, this is the one team I'd want to face if I am Russell Wilson on Sunday night. I'd want to face the, um, like the Texans. Yeah, the Texans. Yeah, no, actually, barely. I don't know if he wants to face the Texans. I don't know, Sully. What do you think about this? No, I'm with Breach in the sense that yes, the the Broncos with Russell Wilson are nowhere close to what the ceiling they possibly have, and I think Wilson will get better as the season goes along, and it will be a much better offense. But the thing is, with me, is what is it going to look like with Nathaniel Hackett running the show? Because that's really been a huge problem for them too. Just his overall leadership as a first-year head coach I know we talk about these quarterbacks that have changed situations and have had almost immediate success overall in terms of their first year with their franchises Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers Matthew Stafford going to the Rams both of those situations though had stability at the head coaching spot Bruce Arians longtime head coach been in Tampa Bay for a while Sean McVay one of the best coaches if not the best coach in the NFL that you're going to this is a little bit different. It's an unknown first-year head coach in Nathaniel Hackett, so it's not calling, like calling play, Well, I guess Luke Getzey's calling plays, but like you've got like Nathaniel Hackett wants input on calling plays. He yeah. wasn't calling plays before. It's a whole new system. It's just it's not like Russell Wilson is inserting himself into some already established culture. It, it's a little bit more of a wiggle room, and when you're facing a team that was in the NFC Championship a year ago with this quarterback now in Jimmy Garoppolo, you do have a little bit of concerns here. But again, you know, Mile High is one of the better home fields in the NFL. 
Yeah, I mean, look, the Broncos being plus one and a half is is kind of crazy. I mean, Pickham seems about right. I don't know. I mean, I'm a little scared to back the Broncos as bad as they've looked, but it does feel like primetime home dog with a legit quarterback and, a, you know, weapons and a decent defense, you know, granted against a very good 49ers team, it, it still does feel like it's gone a bit too far. The, uh, the, the line has moved a lot, of course, too, because of another quarterback injury with the Giants and the Cowboys game. The Giants are now uh, minus two and a half. The Cowboys open at minus three. Obviously, you know, the Giants are two and over with Dak Prescott um, being injured. You can't possibly expect to see Dallas being favored coming into this game. I think this is probably about right. The total here now, 39 and a half for Cowboys and Giants. Uh, that is a very, very low total uh, breach. Um, do you think this line keeps getting up further or is it probably, I think it probably sits around three. I'm not sure that Vegas necessarily trusts the Giants so much as they just don't trust the Cowboys at all. Yeah, I don't think this line gets any bigger. I don't know how you could make it any bigger because if you uh, – you have Cooper Rush. Like, it, does anybody trust Cooper Rush to win a game by a touchdown? I mean, maybe they do. I, I mean, I know, I know at least some people who trust Cooper Rush to win a game by. I, I said, oh, by touchdown. It I said by a touchdown, Brinson. You're not going to foil me today. You can't throw that in my face. But no, so <laughs> like, I just did. <laughs> So it's not going to move toward the Cowboys. And then you can't trust the Giants because they're 2-0. and So you can't really push this thing above three because do you really expect the Giants to win a game by more than three points against a Cowboys team that is absolutely dominating? I think Cowboys have won nine of the last ten against them. The Giants have lost six straight games on Monday night. So I feel like this point spread is going to sit tight. And I don't even know who to trust here. I mean, we saw the Cowboys really struggled against the run in week one. Leonard Burnett ran all over them. He averaged more than six yards per carry. So I feel like if the Giants can get Saquon Barkley going, that they can win this game. But this is just one of those, what do you do here? But I'm leaning Giants. Yeah, I lean Giants too. You know, again, there's so much unknown with the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, we talk about Cooper Rush, but we don't even know if Dalton Schultz is going to play in this game. He's reportedly dealing with some sort of a knee injury, right? And so, you know, that's, again, an outlet for him that he's not going to have in terms of, you know, those receiving weapons. Yeah, Michael Gallup might come back, but what is he going to look like in terms of his ability to get open outside of, you know, C.D. Lamb? So for me, there's just too many questions for Dallas right now for me to look at them anywhere beyond where they're at right now. And with New York, again, like Breach was saying, you can run all over this team. I, I know that Dallas has the history. I think they're 8-2 and two against the spread in their last 10 games against New York. But ultimately, I, I kind of like what Brian Dayball is bringing to New York right now. I, I do think that there's a little bit of momentum going into this game for him. And so, you know, again, it's not like this is the sexiest matchup in the world, but I'm leaning New York. Uh, K-Rod Thibodeau expected back for this game as well, which is very yeah. nice. And then Victor Garcia notes in the chat that uh, Aziz Ojulari also could be back, which would be a – that's a pretty big boost for this team, especially with the Cowboys dealing with the issues on the offensive line. I, I would lean New York too. i probably lean the under as well. Um Neither of these teams really scores at all or tries to score. Uh, you know, you we can see, I mean, 17-10 or like 17-14, you know, 13-10, 13-12. I mean, like, you know, we can see any sort of number. It's like, like possible here. Um, Steelers and the Browns playing on Thursday night. He's over-unders are out of hand. They're, they're low, buddy. 
38 and a half. The Browns are up to a five point favorite in this game. Um, that's a bit steep for Jacoby Brissett, if you ask me. But the Steelers do not look good offensively. No, I mean, we had them, the fans chanting for, you know, Kenny Pickett in this Kenny, game last week. Kenny Pickett. I mean, he wasn't good. And the Patriots, I, you know, I, obviously I'm close up close and personal with them. I know that they have a good defense, but I don't know if it's like top tier in the league. I don't think they have a pass rush that can match what the Cleveland Browns bring. So again, you know, yeah, I'm with you, Will. I mean, the, you know, the, the minus five there, I don't know if I love that. Seems a little rich for Jacoby Brissett, but ultimately I do think that they'll be able to keep the Steelers offense pretty much at bay. And if all of a sudden they can recover from that utter collapse against the Jets, I do like them in this spot. See, that's the thing I worry about, Tyler, is that you don't know what their psychological response is going to be to losing a game like that. Uh, I hate the Browns and five points here because you look at every game these two teams have played this season, Steelers, both games decided by three points. The Browns, two games decided by two points and one point. I just don't think either of these teams has enough talent to blow anyone out. And yeah, we can say the Browns were up 13 points in the fourth quarter, but they didn't end up winning. So it, it doesn't matter. And I, I like you just said, I, I don't think I don't trust Jacoby Brissett to win a game by six or more points. And you just see these injuries popping up all week with the Browns. Chase Winovich is not going to play. He just got put on injured reserve. Jadevian Clowney is not going to play. Miles Garrett on the injury report two days before the game with a neck injury. That's not something you want to yeah. see if you're the Browns. So if the Steelers offense can thrive in one spot, it would be where there's no Browns pass, pass rush because they have no players left. So I'm not sure Pittsburgh can win this game, but I just think five is too many. So I, I would side with the Steelers here right now. Yeah, I would lean towards the Steelers as well. I'd lean towards the under too. I know it's I know it's not I know it's a small number. But man, like, I mean, you could get like seven, three at halftime and you're just not even ever sweating this total at 38 and a half. I mean, it, like, and, and could you get lots of points early? Yes. And be surprised by it. Could be defensive touchdown. Sure. But I mean, both offenses are pretty conservative. Browns love to run the football. Steelers are going to try and like minimize asking Mitchell Trubisky to do much at all. And there, there just shouldn't be much scoring, much scoring here on a short week on a Thursday night football game. I don't know how much lower it can get. Like, it can't close like 36 and a half, right? Yeah. Or like 38, 37, right? I mean, that's just insane. The lowest total so far this season, obviously, we're only two weeks in, was 38. And that was in the Bears 49ers game. Although, didn't we look and, um, oh, oh, there's going to be tons of wind. Oh, we mentioned this on Sunday night. Yeah. We were like, take the under as fast as you can because there's going to be tons of wind. It's looking like 21 mile per hour wind at 8 p.m. This 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 total could keep dipping down if there's that much wind. It's gonna be like that game in Cleveland that one time where the field goals looked like they were going in and then boom sailed right and you're like, yeah. what the hell just happened? Or, or, the, there's, or there's the Buffalo a, game last year with the with Patriots yeah, and the Bills. Yeah, uh, remember there's always like a three week stretch or like I mean, and usually it starts a little bit later in the season, but there's always like a three or four week stretch where it's just like maybe it's like an eight week stretch where you could just get insane wind weather in Cleveland and you have like three Browns home games that are like drastically altered because of the wind. Um, I would lean to, I would still lean towards the under here at 38 and a half. Uh, and I would get it in before we get to get the old wind gusts off Lake Erie, Brenton. Maybe we need to get it's a meteorologist to on the podcast. It's hard to play. Uh, Chiefs and Colts. KC minus six and a half a total in this game. I uh, believe up to 49 and a half. The Chiefs are at the Colts and almost a seven point favorite. I'm not sure that I, 
I don't know that I can get on board with the Colts. I mean, how can you? I mean, they scored zero points against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, it's, you know, they're letting Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk light them up on Sunday. I, I don't know how you can feel any better when it's Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and all the receiving options that they have in Kansas City. You know what I really liked about them with the Chiefs was last week, they didn't play a particularly great game of football. It was it was pretty sloppy, pretty, pretty clunky, and they were still able to find a way to win defensively, grind it out with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And for me, I don't think that Patrick Mahomes is going to have two so-so games in a row. I still think he's going to be able to light it up more often than not. And when you're, again, letting Trevor Lawrence, who could be as good as Patrick Mahomes one day, light you up, I, I don't you know really know what Patrick Mahomes is going to be capable of doing here. Yeah, it, this game scares me just because I feel like the Colts' season is on the line. They cannot drop to 0-3. It's their home opener. I think they're one of only two or three teams that had to play their first two weeks on the road. So you have home opener, you have your season on the line, and you got to throw the kitchen sink at the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are a much, much, much better team, uh, but six and a half is just a ton. And this is like, they're practically begging you to take the Chiefs to cover after what we watched last week with the Colts getting shut out and the Chiefs beating the Chargers. Um Man, and Michael, but, Michael Pittman will be a big piece to this, too, obviously. Right, right. Matt Ryan had zero receivers yeah. against Jacksonville. Yeah, the Colts are optimistic that he's going to play. And uh, Frank Reich said that he, quote, made good progress. So Pittman makes a huge difference. Yeah. Like, no Pittman, no Alec Pierce. And, I mean, how are, the, how are they supposed to score, you know? Because you can just stack the box and dare them to pass. Um, yeah, I would probably lean towards the Colts. I think, I mean, I would guess this gets a little... Under is kind of interesting too, because the Chiefs can get a lead and just and just the Chiefs when the Chiefs get a lead, they are not afraid to like just eat clock and and just get you know get get done with the game. Um, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence, the Jacksonville Jaguars are at the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Jacksonville Jaguars are getting no respect from Vegas. They are seven point dogs on the road against the Chargers, total of forty eight. It looks like it's going to keep dipping down a little bit. Um, I mean, quite frankly, I kind of love. The Jaguars are getting seven. Am I crazy? Yes. It just depends on, I mean, I know we're still waiting to hear like the participation of Justin Herbert as he's dealing with the fracture in the cartilage of his rib. You know, it's I guess it's better than a rib fracture, but still an injury to monitor nonetheless. I mean, you watch towards the tail end of that game after he's dealing with that injury, that dude couldn't run really to save his life. I mean, there was a clear first down that he could have ran to, but he physically just couldn't do it. He was throwing the ball away. You know, he didn't make a money throw on that fourth down to get them in the red zone. And so, you know, if he's able to play and still make those types of throws, I really like the the Chargers here. I, I don't think that the Jaguars have a, you know, this is one of the rare instances where I think the Chargers will have a home field advantage in SoFi Stadium. You know, a lot of these teams travel well, whether it's, you know, you know, but I don't know if the Jaguars yeah, the Jags are have able to able to do that you know i don't think that they'll be able to take over sofi stadium like a lot of their opponents this season have so i do think that that plays into their favor again but you know herbert status everything's out the window if all of a sudden he's not 100 yeah and i think that's one of those things that you if you do think herbert's gonna play then you want to jump on this now because the spread's probably gonna move up uh, i think this is baked in like herbert's playing you think so? i don't know I don't think you can because I felt like the Chargers were trying to be overly optimistic. But if you're the Chargers and you were going to be safe 
and you're thinking, and eh, we don't want this injury to get worse. This would be the game where you keep him on the bench just because you're thinking maybe we can win without him, but let's keep make sure he's healthy for the rest of the season. So that's what my thought process would be. I would think that it maybe goes up to eight if Herbert is definitely playing. But I will say one fun fact real quick. Uh, Jacksonville, since 2010, is one in 10 in the Pacific time zone. Mm, it does a, feel a little yeah, they, they down, right? a and, and that includes last season when they lost 37 to seven to the Rams and 31 to seven to uh, the Seahawks. That's two Trevor Lawrence games. Doesn't it feel like a little, little bit of a letdown spot? Like, Oh, all of a sudden the Jaguars yeah. top of the AFC South there, you know, all, you know, who saw this coming? The Colts are done and, you know, Tennessee just got blown out by Buffalo. Maybe it is the time for the Jaguars. And then all of a sudden Herbert. Well, Herbert and then the chargers and, have had 10 days to prepare too. Yeah. Well, what's this line if Herbert doesn't play? Five, four. What? Chase Daniel? Are you saying it's going to be lower? I mean, do you think Justin Herbert's only worth three points of the spread? In this game, yes. I what, you think it's down to like one? I say two like and a half. Three, maybe two and a half, yeah. I mean, it's... Breach just yeah. hate Jaguar. hate hating ass Breach on the Jaguars. Here. What? No, it's just Jacksonville out west. All right. Um, I think that if you, yeah, I mean, like if you like Jacksonville, you should take the Jaguars plus seven now because there's a chance that Herbert is like missing from practice or is like, you know, doesn't play. And if that's the case, you know, this line will probably be down in a lot of places and uh, could end up being taken off, you know, like drop real, like drop down to two, two or three uh, if Herbert ends up not. And, and one thing about the Herbert thing, it is that it has been conspicuously quiet. We, we got this update on Friday. We have not heard anything. We're recording this on Tuesday. Nothing came out on Monday about any sort of update, about whether he was better, worse. Nothing has come out on Tuesday, and obviously something will have to come out on Wednesday because they have to get, hand out a practice report, and we'll find out whether he practices or not. But it has been uh, silence from the Chargers. And to jump off of that real quickly, you do have to remember the doctor that's working on Herbert is the one that stabbed and punctured the lung of Tyrod Taylor. It's the same doctor. How's this guy still the job? That's my question. How is well, this guy because still Herbert's like, oh, well, you gave me a starting job. We don't need to fire you. Or the Chargers are like, wow, thank God you did that. We were going to make him sit all year. Like <laughs> This guy's amazing. Um, all right. So, yeah, keep an eye on Herbert. That will change that, that line dramatically. If you like Jacksonville, uh, probably get on it now. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will uh, we will apologize once again to our, our good friend Arthur Smith uh, of the Atlanta Falcons. Next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. All right, so I mentioned the apology to Arthur Smith. We were kind of ripping him 
on a on Sunday show because he he's, he had a quote about Kyle Pitts and fantasy football. Um, but I think it is worth noting. Kyle is a huge part of our offense. You just have to take it with context. Other guys made plays, Smith said. It's not fantasy football. We're just trying to win. We'll continue to look at everything and try to get better. So I feel like a, a small apology. It was the the way that it was tweeted out was not properly done. It was like, it's it's not fantasy football. We're trying to win. Like that, you can't just tweet that in the in in the in the context of like just out of context. I mean, don't you agree? Like he, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't like, somebody was like, Hey, how come Kyle Pitts didn't have more targets? He's like, this isn't fantasy football. You loser. He's like, look, da, 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 da. So, Princeton, um, how can you, this is not 1991. All we get is sound bites. Now this is everything's taken out of context. It's thrown on Twitter. It's like, figure it out for yourself. That is the uh, society we live in now. And as a every, Pitts, every man for themselves. And as a Kyle Pitts fantasy owner, I, I don't, I, I, I'm very much against him right now. <laughs> Okay, all right, yeah. yeah. Kyle Pitts is not, no, I'm not, not backing been, not been wildly productive in fantasy, that is for sure. I would expect that maybe we get a squeaky wheel game for Kyle Pitts. Um, so, which the game that we are going to talk about, the Atlanta Falcons at the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle and Geno Smith favored by two points, a total of 42 in this game. Man, I would just sort of lean under here pretty quickly. I think that's the play here. You know, you, you look at these offenses, I think going into the year, they probably were both inside the top five, maybe even the top three to be the lowest scoring offenses in the NFL. And yeah, you know, the, the Falcons were able to hang in with the Rams and they've been plucky this season. I mean, I think they're two and zero against the spread and obviously the Seahawks were able to get that upset win over the Broncos, but I don't know if any of these teams really have the offensive capabilities to, to blow the roof off here. I, I don't know if that's the case, especially in an environment like Seattle, where I know it's probably not going to be the same like it was on that Monday night against Russell Wilson, just a different environment, obviously, or an added layer because he was coming back. But it's still one of the toughest places to play, make life very difficult for the for the Falcons offense. So and, and again, like I don't think that all of a sudden the Seahawks are going to start blowing doors. Yeah, I mean, I would probably lean under with you guys, but it would frighten me because of what the Falcons have done. I mean, they've played two defenses that are supposed to be good with New Orleans and the Rams, and they've had no problem scoring points. They scored 26 against the Saints, obviously up 26 to 10 before blowing the lead, uh, and we won't give them that safety in the 31-27 loss, but the offense put up 25 points against the Rams' defense, which isn't easy to do. So, I, you know, I don't think it would be crazy to see the Falcons score 24 to 27 points in this game, and then it's how many do you think the Seahawks can score uh, yeah, so I, I would probably I don't even I, I hate everything about this game because I don't know if either team is any good. I, the Falcons might be able to score. They might not. I am not even going to. I'm staying far, far away from it. Well, to what Brinson was saying earlier, too, again, maybe a squeaky wheel game for Kyle Pitts and he just goes nuclear and that, you know, jump starts this whole offense for the for the Falcons. So, yeah, I guess that, you know, there is that kind of possibility there. I, I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind Atlanta getting two here. I mean, I think it, this is just be a close game. Like I, I, the total to me is more appealing than uh, than anything uh, in terms of one of the sides. Excuse me. Um, Lions at the Vikings. An interesting game because we saw the Vikings on Monday Night Football, and they obviously did not look great. This line was six and a half with a total of fifty-two and a half. The total has actually gone up to fifty-three and a half. And the Vikings have dropped to a six-point favorite at Caesars. Um, I think I'm just going to keep taking Lions overs. 
and the line's the cover. Either yeah, or like make the, make the, You can make the line like 60 and a half. I'm still taking the over. I don't care. And I mean, this is a sweet spot for Kirk Cousins, right? Instead of the Monday night primetime, a 1 p.m. start at home, probably, you know, that that is where we're going to actually see some production from Kirk Cousins. You know, you're wait, you're, you're coming off of that horrible primetime game. What was it? How many interceptions was it? Three, four? Three. It was yep. just, you know, awful, awful, awful game from him. I don't know if we're going to see two of those in a row. I mean, you know, he's certainly capable of it, but I don't know if that's going to be the case. And I'm with you. I like over here, too. I mean, yeah. we, we, we've gotten 73 and 63 points scored by the, the the Lions in their first two games. Like, the Lions are willing to keep their foot on the gas, and no matter what, because they know that their defense, they don't, they, they don't, this is how they play with Dan Campbell, and their defense isn't very good. Like, they're going to give up 30-something points to the Vikings, and they're probably going to score 30-something points. And the Lions are the second highest scoring team in the NFL. Second wow. highest. Crazy. And highest scoring team in the NFC. And so uh, you throw that in there. I also love them at six points. I can't believe they're getting six points. They're 2-0 yeah, and know. against the spread this year. And they always play the Vikings tough. The last three games between these two teams have all been cited, decided by exactly two points. Uh, we saw the crazy one last year. Uh, the Lions are one and two in those games. They probably should be two and one. Uh, I just have a tough time seeing them get blown out because their offense is so good. And then they just storm through the back door. Like if they, you can be down, they can be down fifteen. You're like, well, I'm screwed. You're like, oh no, they're they're down 30, 35, and they storm through the back door. Yeah, <laughs> they, were, they were down like seventeen against the, against the Eagles. They had no problem uh, stomping back through the backers and the Bucks. Bucks uh, were minus two and a half for the total. A total of forty one. That is a crazy number for a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers matchup. The line is dipped down to two. I, I guess, I mean, may, I don't know if that's, I don't know if Mike Evans is built in or if that's a Mike Evans situation, but um, 41 points is a wild number for a Packers Buccaneers game. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, but I do think that, again, there is some logic behind it in the sense that the Packers so far have been extremely run heavy. I mean, they are running their offense through Aaron. They're two of the best defenses in the NFC. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you have, you know, even a Buccaneers defense that was unreal in the second half against Jameis Winston. I mean, he melted down, but still they were able to take advantage and have a five turnovers, a pick six. I mean, they were just awesome in that second half. So, yeah, no, both teams have great defenses. The Packers are certainly, you know, as of right now, a run first type of offense. And when you're looking at the Buccaneers, yeah, you don't know what, you know, Mike Evans situation is going to be. You know, he's he's probably still going to be suspended for this game. But you also don't know what's going to happen with Chris Godwin and Julio Jones. They both missed that game last week due to injury. I both I believe they were both, were they both hamstring injuries? I think that they were. And so, again, when you're yeah. dealing with that soft tissue type of injury, it, you know, it sometimes lingers a little bit longer than just, you know, you're out, you know, you, you, you have a bum ankle and all of a sudden you miss one week and you're back the next so I don't know, is is all of a sudden Scotty Miller and the newly acquired Cole Beasley really gonna move the chains for you offensively? You know, that, that that is a tough thing. So I'm not it is surprising when you look at the quarterbacks and you go, really? Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers? This is at 41. But when you kind of dig a little bit deeper, it does make sense. Yeah. And obviously the Buccaneers receiving depth. Mike De- Evans is out. I mean, the Buccaneers are here signing Cole Beasley. That's how desperate they are for receiving help. Aaron Rodgers still doesn't trust his receivers. And if the Buccaneers just say, hey, you don't want to bottle up A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones and see what these receivers that Aaron Rodgers doesn't like, see what they can do. And also, let's not forget that Aaron Rodgers is horrible in Florida. His last two games there, he's gotten outscored 76 to 13. Uh, He's thrown 10 interceptions over the past since the beginning of the 2020 season. 10 interceptions. Four of them are in Florida in two games. Six 
in his other 30 games. So it's just out of hand. I don't know if his hand slips because there's so much humidity. I don't know. But it, it is interesting. And uh, this is only the second time the Packers have had a total of 40 or under since LaFleur was hired. And they went under the last time it happened. The one and only time it happened. Bengals at the Jets. Oh, baby. Nah. Nah. Yeah. Bengals are minus four and a half in New York, total of 45. Mm. I mean, I'd love to tell you I trust the Bengals to win a football game, but they don't believe they've won one, so that that's sort of problematic. Um, four and a half point favorites are pretty big. The Jets, you know, the Jets look, don't look like a great football team, but they look like they're trying hard under Robert Sala and have a decent defense. Um, any concerns here, Breach, that you're – I mean, like, do you like the fact that your team is laying four and a half, or would you prefer it, like, almost be a pick and, like, you can just – just, just go win the game. I would prefer they're a 10-point plucky underdog uh, with their backs <laughs> against the wall. That's what I prefer, Brinson. Uh, they're 0-2, man. They're, you can't have any faith in them. But I will say the one thing that the Steelers and the Cowboys had in common is they both have insane pass rushes. I mean, Joe Burrow would take the snap and before he could even get one step into his three-step drop. T.J. Watt was back there in week one. Micah Parsons was back there in week two. And the Jets don't have that. So I think this – feel and also – you know, the Bengals have that uh, obviously revenge factor of last year's loss against the Jets. So it's not like the Bengals are going to overlook the Jets. You can't overlook anyone when you're 0-2. And so this feels like a get-right spot. Like week one, I picked the Steelers to cover. I thought that would be a close game. Week two, I absolutely thought the Bengals would win. So I've been kind of split with what they've done so far. Uh, but man, I will be surprised if they don't win this by a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, it does feel like, like you were saying, Bruce, it doesn't, does feel like this has to be the get-right game. I mean, yes, the, the Jets, like you said, well, they, they have played well under Sal. They're playing hard for Joe Flacco. I mean, they're, they're obviously staying in these games. They just had a crazy... Wait, Tyler, I'm going to interrupt you real quick just to say that Tyler picked the Jets to beat the Browns. He was one of the very few people that called that upset, so... Listen to what he says. Thank you. And, uh, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I, I got more wrong than I get right, but... Uh, you know, I'll take it when I can get it. But for me, you know, the Bengals here, it does feel like the only, you know, the, the perfect get right situation. Like I was saying, I know that the Jets had this emotional win and, and all that and great, but they haven't been particularly great at home over the last, you know, handful of games here. Two and seven against the spread in their last seven. They're also one and five against the spread in the last six games following a straight up win. So, you know, yeah, you know, you're riding those emotions coming off this win against Cleveland, but more often than not, the Jets have let you down. Hey, you know, who else was a, one of the few people to pick the Jets to beat the Bengals? I mean, to beat the uh, to beat the Browns. Brenton. Me. I was <laughs> the only person. I was the only person on the CBS uh, the page. We I'm the, the page. only person on this podcast who picked the Browns. You are. I can't believe that. Yeah, that's pretty pathetic. It is pathetic. Eleven and five straight up for me. That's pretty good. Well, then, what do you think, Brenton? You think the Jets or the Bengals cover here. I think the Jets are going to win outright. I'm, I'm picking the Jets. Uh, you, just get off the Jets bandwagon now, man. You're just oh, you're going like he like Flacco gets all like juiced up against these AFC North teams. They got a pretty good pass rush. Burrow's just not right yet. Um, it's the field is weird. Like, oh, I wouldn't want my banged up quarterback with a previous ACL injury like running around. I don't know. A little worried about it. No. I'll take the Jets to win. If the Ravens beat the Jets 24 to 9, that's gonna that's gonna be what happens here. Something the, similar. 24 to 9? That's what the Ravens did in week one. Flacco might feel a little more comfortable. 24-17. Okay, 24. Okay, different big difference. Um one touchdown difference. 
couple more. Uh, I should just do one more. Rams, Cardinals. Rams minus four, a total of 50 and a half. I believe that has come down a smidge. Oh, okay. They're actually down a point and a half. Ooh, this line has moved all over the place. Rams minus three and a half now, over under 49. So the total has dropped a lot, which I wish I'd seen that. I think under 50 and a half would have been a pretty good look with the Rams and Cardinals. Kyler could get loose, but I think with no DeAndre Hopkins and the way Jalen Ramsey's playing and you have, you know, like, I just don't know if this is a great game for, like, I think the Rams defense is a lot better than the, than the Raiders defense in terms of just allowing Kyler to do some crazy stuff. And, um, like, I, like, I think the Rams, if the Rams get a lead like the Raiders had, I think they're more likely to close it out than the Raiders were. Yes, but I also do wonder, like, you know, as much as, like, Daryl Henderson's been, you know, solid, I guess, the starter for them, they do struggle to kind of close it out. Like, I don't know if they can lean on the running game to close out these games like they have been in the past, no? I don't know if Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson actually give me a lot of confidence that all of a sudden you can no, just... I mean, I, I, feel, I don't feel great about them, like, just snuffing out a, 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 an opposing defense. Yeah. That's my only concern there, really, is, you know, again... Kyler and all of a sudden he's just going video game mode like he did last week and all of a sudden they're they're kind of in it in the last possession you're like wait a minute how'd this happen and and all of a sudden he's he's at least has an opportunity with the ball in his hands at the end I just the Rams it's like Sean McVay's the video game guy he's not going to let someone go video game mode against him and we've seen what the Rams have done to the Cardinals uh they've won 10 of the past 11 games in this series they are nine one and one against the spread in those 11 games and the the rams have a disciplined defense and they have they're so talented that and they see kyler murray all the time that they're not going to let him run around for 20 seconds like the, the raiders they're an afc team they see him once every four years they had no idea what was going on they were completely lost every time he started dancing around in circles and doing ballet back there and then throwing two-point conversions and scoring touchdowns. I mean, it was insane. But the Rams see that every week. They know what's going on here. They're familiar with Kyler. And for the most part, they've been able to shut him down anytime these two teams have played. Uh, so I, just just because the Rams have owned the Cardinals over the past few years, and really since Kyler's been there, I think i got to side with the Rams here. Also, just the lack of weapons, too. Like, what? You know, you know they're really – you know, we got Dorch – and Ertz. That's not, and, no, don't disparage Greg Dorch. I mean, we just got, <laughs> we got guys that I feel yeah. like are, you know, computer, you know, generated last name in, in this game for Kyler Murray. So, you know. video game. It's us inventing names. <laughs> Greg Dorch is the man. Dorch family. Greg Dorch is like 36% owned in DFS last week. Nice. And, he, and he scored a touchdown. But yeah. Um, I've got it with you on that one. I think I, I lean towards the Rams. Uh, all right. Any other uh, thoughts on uh, the week three? Man, week two. I don't, I'm glad to get that Monday night doubleheader over with. Yeah, it was a little confusing. I almost felt like we needed a red zone for those two games. I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't love the setup. I, well, I complained about it. I just, I just want one game. I just want one. Why, game. why are we having our games at the same time? Yeah. I know, but, but the, the, the 10 p.m. start game is brutal too. Uh, that is, but I want to watch the individual, like, What's the logic behind having them on at the same time? That's my. I question. was almost happy that Buffalo was blowing out the Tennessee so Titans so bad. So I was like, all right, I don't really need to see this anymore. When the Eagles and the Vikings were at halftime, I put on like an episode of Silicon Valley. <laughs> I was like, I'm not watching this Bills to this Bills thing. Uh, all right, that'll do it for us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. For Sully, for Breach, I'm Brinson. We will see you guys later.
Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.